0: Well, welcome to Imagine the Future where we talk about the ever-changing evolution of technology. Joining us today is Chief Information Security Officer at the National Technical Information Service, Bilal. Bilal, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I just mentioned that you are a CISO at a government agency. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey that led you to this coveted position?
1: Sure. Yeah, I've been in security for the better part of 13 years uh, now. I started in security right out of school, uh, came in as a, as a, as a junior, definitely paid. Uh, my dues uh, originally started out with actually assisting uh, government agencies with their cybersecurity needs as a as a contractor. Uh, so anything from ISO so support, um, I've also worked in security operation uh, centers. So I've done a variety of, of, of different tasks um, as as a government contractor. And then when I was brought on as a, as an employee, uh, I, I I more fit in or. More uh, fit into uh, or was being pushed into more of a supervisory mm-hmm. uh, and being able to shape cybersecurity programs, um, uh, being able to shape policies or what have you, and run my own cybersecurity program as I do today.
0: Where did you go to school?
1: Uh, University just- of Maryland oh, College okay. Park.
0: College Park. Where'd you study? Uh,
1: actually, I was a criminal justice major. So uh, I've always had uh, IT jobs growing up, uh, mm-hmm. even various internships or what have you. Um, but I actually did graduate with a criminal justice major. At the I think the original intent was always law school.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And then, how long were you a contractor before you went? Go
1: um, I was a contractor probably for uh, the better part of about eight years or so prior to rolling over and becoming a federal employee.
0: Okay. Were you a contractor under the same agency? No,
1: no, I've, I've been at various agencies, assisting various government agencies, whether it was FAA, Department of Labor, um, Consumer Product Safety Commission. So been, been around the block a few times.
0: Awesome, that sounds exciting. Uh, what is it like to be so young and being in such a vital role? at this agency
1: so what's nice about security at least in in my opinion it's a it's a performance-based uh, industry um, experience does does matter um, talent talent does matter but um, being in an ever-evolving field such as cybersecurity, you know as you will know technologies changed, uh, the role of cybersecurity in and, and various agencies changed. So it's, it's an ever-evolving um, uh, uh, challenge for a lot of government agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I kind of kind of fit, fit right in in, in terms of uh, experience, uh, but also uh, being able to adapt with the ever-evolving challenges yeah. and technologies.
0: Yeah, keep it fresh. Exactly. Keep it fresh. Um. Taking specific threats aside, what are the biggest challenges that you see within cybersecurity?
1: So I think probably, and you can probably uh, fit this just with information technology as a whole, it's always going to be resources. So that's that's twofold really from a budget standpoint, um, you know, being uh, uh, kind of provided with a limited budget that you have to kind of stay, you know, with, uh, within those limitations. You can't just go out and buy every single, you know, tool that you feel is is sometimes necessary uh, to complete um, the the task or the mission mission at hand. But also, it's uh, resources in terms of being able to retain uh, talent and and being able to recruit talent uh, within the cybersecurity field. I can tell you, when I graduated, there was no such thing as a cybersecurity major. Right, so now uh, with there being cybersecurity majors, um, uh, the industry itself just getting younger uh, as, as, as a whole, um, being able to retain talent, being able to ensure um, uh, personnel have the correct amount of not just experience, um, but being able to have uh, capabilities in order to complete um, the tasks that they're, they're really assigned.
0: Gotcha. How do you if you are part of this process or with your best opinion, how do you decide, you know, when you're talking about budgeting and resources and choosing because of the low budgets or whatever your budget might be, how do you choose the right resources, the right programs, for example? Like, is there criteria that you kind of look for essentially?
1: Yeah, always. Um, there's always certain things that you look for, whether it's Tools, whether it's 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 people um, looking for certain skill sets, looking for the right amount of experience, uh, someone someone comes in with. I think training uh, is also a, a key factor, especially when you talk about um, uh, not just uh, uh, personnel that are that's on your team, but. You know, your original question was uh, some of the uh, kind of ongoing challenges today with cybersecurity, right? Being able to train your workforce, somebody that's, that's not in IT, what to look out for when they do receive uh, a phishing email or what have you, or what are the, the correct steps when you do accidentally click on, you know, that bad link? What are the next steps and, and the correct protocols you should go down? So I think uh, uh, training is, is definitely a key element of any cybersecurity shop.
0: Have you ever done, have you ever trained someone?
1: Personally, yes, um, but I think even, even and uh, just being able to um, uh, automate some of that training, right, being able to find certain training programs or being able to ensure that folks even with, that are within cybersecurity stay abreast of the latest cybersecurity trends, the labor, uh, latest cybersecurity challenges uh, within the field.
0: Awesome. Do you go to like a lot of let's say? Do you have certificates that you have to keep maintaining, and so you go to a lot of like courses for those certificates?
1: Yeah. So a lot of folks uh, within cybersecurity have uh, certifications, right? And and as part of maintaining uh, those certifications, you're required to go through x amount of hours uh, every year. So you know to accomplish just that, you know, staying abreast with the you know latest cybersecurity trends and challenges.
0: Oh my gosh. That's like another full-time job, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh,
1: it's, it, it's not as bad as, as you think it is. You actually do a lot of it on, on a day-to-day basis from uh, attending various workshops or uh, d- uh, demos provided by various vendors or what have you. So a lot of it just comes with kind of your normal day-to-day responsibilities. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, 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 it's not as taxing as you you know one may think.
0: Yeah, gotcha. that's good. Are there any certain trends that you are currently keeping up with and or implementing uh, when it comes to monitor- monitoring uh, c- cybersecurity?
1: Sure, I think I think the pandemic taught us a lot, right? Um, everyone being being at home, um, being able to continue the mission at home, being able to complete uh, your, your job, your day-to-day tasks at home, but from a cybersecurity perspective, ensuring that those assets, you know continue to stay secure even when they're outside of your quote-unquote uh, network folks bringing you know uh, laptops equipment you know home being able to continue to work from home pose a different set of challenges uh, in the cyber security field but necessary you know as as again the pandemic taught us it is necessary to be able to continue to complete the mission from home the days of coming into the office five days a week are probably gone whether that's for you know the better for the worse everybody has uh, their own opinions, but we still need to be able to maintain a certain level of security with folks uh, being able to work from home. So extending, extending your network and ensuring that uh, all of the endpoints are, are secure uh, definitely was, was uh, a challenge uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but I think agencies and, and, and companies obviously figured it out uh, and being able to maintain uh, security from there. Another thing is obviously um, with agencies and companies in general moving towards the cloud, right? Another trend is obviously the utilization of, of the cloud, moving over um, to 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 cloud assets um, or, or cloud infrastructure, uh, is 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 big within within cybersecurity and also with uh, various. Geopolitical uh, tensions going on mm-hmm. uh, now, being able to uh, uh, vet and 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 work through certain supply chain risk assessments, right? So, buying uh, and, and 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 procuring various hardware and software, where are you getting these 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 things from, right? Um, what what who is the manufacturer? What is their security process uh, when manufacturing certain s- uh, software or hardware? So, being able to, to, to vet those and and ensure that. Uh, you know, we we conduct a supply chain risk assessment is, is, is a vital part and something that we've been uh, monitoring.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think um, me personally, I always get, like, a little worried, even when it's just, like, I just put my credit card in, like, when I'm buying something, I'm always worried, like, is someone going to hack my computer and be able to figure out my credit card information, for example? Or even when I was working, um, I was always worried, like, can someone, like, see these plans that I'm looking at right now. Cause I would work on, uh, banks, for example, and you know, banks are very high security. So I was always worried, like, can someone see these and see like how to get into the safe? Or right. Right. There's always these little things that you don't really think about, but then I think with, you know, technology changing more and more. It's like, it's so easy for people to hack nowadays.
1: No, absolutely. That's
0: crazy. Have you ever done like a hackathon or anything? Or- no,
1: there are uh, various conferences okay. uh, that, that, that I've attended um, that, that discuss their inter- uh, uh, those things. Um, there are even certain um, or what they call ethical hacking hacking classes or certifications uh, that you can take. So it's always within cybersecurity, we always feel like we're on the defensive, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also important to note and kind of think how our adversaries would think, right? How would we attack our system, you know, if we were proposed or presented in in a certain way? So it's it's a key element of cybersecurity to know, you know, not only what are you defending, but how are you being attacked?
0: Gotcha, so you kind of know how to hack things essentially also to kind of play the offense in that case. Exactly.
1: We don't really play the offensive per se, just because that's not our role, at least for, for, for our agency or for our mission space. Um, but there are, but there are those that do that.
0: Gotcha. I think to your point, it's always good to see things from two perspectives. That's so important. I think that that could even go on with the training and the resources that we were talking about earlier. You know, I think that's so important to see both sides of everything. Mm -hmm. A hot topic in the cyber world is zero trust. How has the zero trust requirements changed the security landscape? And do you feel that it is necessary the government to Implement all of this.
1: Uh, it not only is it necessary; it's now a requirement, right? Executive Order fourteen zero twenty eight required government agencies to move towards zero trust. But I think it's important to note: zero trust is not a new concept. Mm-hmm. Um, zero trust is actually something that's that's been a while. But I think it did a very good job of. Pulling a lot of different, or putting a lot of different concepts together, all under kind of one umbrella, which you know the the the, bu- the buzzword nowadays is is zero trust, right? So it's you know it's it's exactly what the term is, not trusting anything or anyone, whether it's in an internal network, whether obviously if it's you know out in the open, but every user, every device, every transaction is is verified. And no two should really rely on the other, and and and, and kind of have that um, asset or that user or you know that endpoint as a trusted device. Everything is kind of treated as as an outsider. So that if unfortunately things do get compromised, things do get hacked. Um, if that were to 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 to, to happen, your um, your. The effects of of, of set threat or or, or hack are, are are limited.
0: Gotcha. You mentioned cloud earlier, mm-hmm. so with zero trust and cloud, how does how do those two things kind of mesh? Because I think cloud, when I think of cloud, I think of something that's like you know just easily accessible, essentially. You know what I mean? So how does zero trust work with cloud to make sure that no one can hack your cloud?
1: Yep, absolutely. So cloud is always a what we call a shared responsibility, right? So there is a push for companies, agencies uh, to utilize the cloud um, for cost efficiencies and leverage some of those obviously savings or what have you. But it's always a uh, a shared responsibility in that you can't just move assets to the cloud and think, okay, I'm done. This is not ban- managed by me. It's, it's, it's taken care of by a third party or what have you. There's always a shared responsibility. And uh, again, moving with zero trust, you know, having and securing those assets, um, uh, it changes the landscape and how you secure those assets. Cause now, again, each device, each user, each endpoint is kind of treated as a separate entity.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Um, so I know earlier you mentioned that you went to UMD. Have you been on the campus recently? It's been quite a while. Okay. So I went to UMD as well. Okay. And, uh, when I went there, they were trying to like do Silicon Valley. I don't know if you heard that. Mm -hmm. So right on route one, they were trying to build like right when you enter the campus or the main gate, I guess you want to call Mm it to the right hand side, they're building like this huge building dedicated to computer sciences. Okay. And so it's like Silicon Valley is coming to UMD. Right, like that right, was their right. thing. So thinking about that, thinking about the future and everything, like what do you think, like where do you imagine the future of technology going? Thinking about how much funding is going in colleges for this, you know, and then also how you were talking about resources, training people and everything, and how do you see the future of technology going on?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously now that with, with AI, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, machine learning, all that now, although it's, it's, it's not a newer technology, it's being incorporated into the cybersecurity field, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the benefits of, of AI are definitely something to be had within the cybersecurity industry, but you also have to be wary because adversaries have access to the same exact tools, the same, uh, um, uh, and and they're actually utilizing those tools to, uh, I guess, against you, uh, Mm -hmm. right? So. Yeah,
0: I feel like AI is something that it's either you're really about it or you're skeptical about it.
1: Yeah, and, and usually the truth kind of lies you know, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the middle. For example, AI can be used uh, to develop you know, application or, or, or to harden application coding. Mm-hmm. Right? You can utilize AI, run a scan against a certain code, and utilize AI to fix uh, gaps, gaps in your code. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the flip side of that is adversaries also have uh, access to do that, right? So when um, you know, they see publicly available websites or things that are just out there on the internet, they are able to use AI to see what they can specifically attack, what uh, specific software is associated with certain ports that are open. It kind of consolidates a lot of different information and puts it accessible for not just yourself, but also for your adversaries as well.
0: So essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, When you're using AI, let's say I'm saying like, hey, write this paper about why coffee is amazing, you know? And it writes a paper for me. If someone were to like hack or go into AI, could they figure out like, oh, she used AI to write this paper? Could they find like sensitive information essentially through AI? Absolutely
1: so I think there is with, with AI being a newer technology the lack of rules, policies, regulations around AI just aren't there mm-hmm. just yet so in, in your example you logging into you know a specific AI tool like a ChatGPT or what have you mm-hmm. How secure is the data? How secure are the questions you're asking ChatGPT? Who has access to that? How secure is the software of that AI in and of itself? Does that software have vulnerabilities that are susceptible to, to hacks or what have you? So now when you're asking this specific tool or AI a, a question, are you really asking the AI or has it been compromised by an adversary third party that are now manipulating the answers that it's kind of providing you in yeah. terms of feedback?
0: Yeah, because I feel like if government starts using it, then there have to be more laws passed for it. Because I think ethically, like you said, there aren't many regulations on this. So I think from an ethical standpoint, there still has to be a human, essentially, at the end of the day, making sure ethics are still taken into it. Yep,
1: not just ethics, but also oversight, right? Uh, just because this tool is providing you feedback, who's to say that it's accurate feedback, yeah. right? At the end of the day, it's it's an algorithm, it's pulling data from a variety of, of different sources and putting it into a consolidated place. So at the end of the day, it still requires human oversight, it still requires human human input um, for AI.
0: Yeah, I was at a panel a couple of weeks ago and <clears throat> they were talking about AI also there. And one of the things they mentioned was like, I mean, think about the GPS. Like that's essentially an AI, you know? And if it told you to just drive on a road, you're probably gonna listen to it. Cause sure. you think that, you know, it's the right way. But like, what if you just end up in the middle of nowhere, yep. you know? So I always like think about like, I'd never hit me before. Like, oh my gosh, wait, GPS is actually an AI. And, like, it could manipulate, you know, or even Netflix when it tells you, like, oh, what to watch next. It's kind of, like, taking things from what you watch, what your interests are, yep. and then, like, this is the perfect solution for you when you're bored or don't have anything.
1: Right, exactly that. But as, as you said, right, with the, with the Netflix example, it is taking input that you've, you know, provided or what have you. So it still requires human interaction, you right. know, human input.
0: It's not just going to take over the world by itself. <laughs> Well, hopefully not. Knock on wood. Hopefully not. So I always like to ask everyone the same question in the podcast is where do you imagine the future of technology?
1: So it's ever evolving, right? Who's to say what we encounter five years from now, 10 years from now, we see technology in our everyday lives now, right? Uh, take something as simple, not as simple, but take something like driving, mm-hmm. cars, you know, we have automation in in cars to now where you can just plug in an address and it'll just take you to your destination. If you think about appliances you have in your household, right? Your internet or your your thermometer is now connected to your internet. You can monitor your thermostat. You can turn off your thermostat from anywhere. Your refrigerator is now connected to your internet. Your smart TV. So now with Uh, all these different appliances, all these different gadgets, or uh, what we call internet of things, you know, just literally everywhere uh, in our lives. I think it's very important in uh, continuing to think about and ensuring that security is involved uh, in a lot of these facets uh, of our lives. Technology is good, um, but there are adversaries out there that want to use technology uh, against you. Um, So I think keeping security uh, within IT practices is, is, is vital, especially with the growing number of assets that we have.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, even simple things. Like when people think of technology, they'll just think of computers, but like it's not just computers, it's our refrigerator. You know, like now they have like little TVs on them. Mm-hmm. Or I've seen even things where it's, you put, I was shopping the other day at Zara, and Zara now has this thing where you don't even scan the clothes. If you do check out, you just put the clothes in this bin. You just throw them all in there, and the whole thing comes up on the screen. Right. I'm just like, how does it know? Right. Yeah. Like, how does it know that I have five items, and those five items are exactly what's matching on the computer when I didn't scan anything? Right. Right. So I think, yeah, technology is just yeah it's definitely something
1: that is a can be a convenience, can be a convenience right in our day to day lives make our makes our lives easier you know where were we ten years from now versus today? where are we going to be ten years in the future? but I think it's more important now than ever to ensure that security yeah. is always involved and and, and you know because you, you never know who's looking on the other yes. on the other end
0: especially phones nowadays no one had phones back like I remember growing up it was so it wasn't a normal thing for everyone to have a cell phone, right? You know, and it, even if you did, it you didn't have it for internet. Social media didn't exist. You didn't have it for any of that.
1: You called and maybe texted, right? Exactly. 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 It. Make sure you call after seven when right? the minutes are free. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: like, it's like completely changed even that now. You know, I didn't get my cell phone until I was, gosh, in seventh grade, and now I see people giving their babies iPads. So it's like, what is going to happen in the future?
1: Absolutely, and that's the perfect analogy, right? You're yeah. giving your, your toddler, your youth, you know, that, that electronic device, what are they doing, you know, on the device? What parental controls do you have on that on that device? So if you kind of take that methodology and just apply it to security amongst all of these devices out there, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's more important now than ever.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. I
0: appreciate you coming.
1: Absolutely.